Hey, what's happening, man? Hey, how you doing? Uh, you know, just sitting out here at this nice, peaceful campsite, just watching everybody pack up. Awesome. You taking off today? Yeah, unfortunately, back to reality tomorrow. I got you. I got you. Well, welcome, everyone. We're recording a little differently today because uh, Jordan is obviously, like you just said, at the campground. And so uh, we're, we're trying to record through Anchor. So I don't think I can do that from the, the computer. So just phone to phone. So hopefully this, uh, this stays uh, connected and we can hear each other because we had a lot of problems last night. But yeah, we're going to jump right into it. Yeah. So we're going to jump right into it. Um, so, Jordan, it's been a few weeks since we talked. How's everything been going? Uh, pretty good for the most part. You know, my route's changed up for work and, you know, a lot of stuff's going on there, which um, now I have a new location that's a coroner's office. And let me tell you, when you see a dead body for the first time, that's not a funeral. It's kind of kind of gives you a little chill down your back. I can tell you that. Kind of trippy. Yeah, it definitely was. Well, cool deal. I got some things going on at work, too, but I can't talk about them yet. So, but, uh, you know, racing's racing's good, but um, driving down there's not because gas sucks. But I think everybody knows that. Well, <clears throat> but we're going to uh, kind of cut this open segment short a little bit today. Um, I wanted to get into the fit tip because we got a lot of racing to talk about. Um, we had uh, obviously we were in Myrtle Beach the weekend of the 600. So we recorded separately. So we got to talk about the 600. We got to talk about Gateway, which was a very interesting race. We got to talk about Monaco, which was uh kind of interesting but but also not really if you break it down so lots to get to um, but i want to start with the fit tip which um so being in myrtle beach over memorial day weekend just an observation i had if you go to any, this is any you know re- resort beach um you can see this other places too but i just really noticed it uh sitting down in the pool or out, you know, by the beach. I couldn't walk in the sand because of my knee. Yeah, it's not healed enough for that. But just observing people. Obviously, people are, you know, they're they're on vacation. So there's a little bit of excess that goes on. However, I've noticed that the excess that people live outside of their vacations really shows up. Um, when the statistics come out to say that the United States is over 50% overweight. Over 50% of our population is overweight. You notice it. You can definitely see it, especially at the beach when everyone's in their swim swimming gear. Uh, everyone from you know elderly people all the way down to children are just overweight. And so that life of excess that we tend to lead, at least here in the States, is just, it's very eye-opening if you pay attention. Now, I'm not saying that Everyone should be extremely fit. Everyone should be, you know, going to the gym four and five times a week and just completely dedicating their lives to fitness. That's for the extremist, and I get that. But you can very much tell that it, it is very much the anti of that. People are not, in general, are not too concerned with their health. They're not too concerned with their diets. You know, when you go on vacation, you should be leading the excess life as, as an exception to your lifestyle. However, what, what we're seeing is that people, this is just an extension of what their lives are. They're just in a nicer place for, for uh, the majority of the people. They go to the beach and it's like, 
oh, hey, we want to try this food. But if we wouldn't have been here, we would have been having the same kind of food back at home. Um, I think it's a, it's very eye-opening if you just sit down and pay attention and see people go by and see how many people are overweight. And the children that are overweight, I think, are the, the ones that are most concerning. I know it's hard to get uh, quality food. It's expensive. I get it. But I think that something needs to be done because we're just leading down. I mean, healthcare in the United States is kind of a joke. But if we're not taking it seriously, and you can see that we're not taking it seriously, it's always going to be a joke. Because what's the incentive for healthcare to be exceptional when we're not being exceptional for ourselves? So that's just my uh, my little observation from my vacation a couple weeks ago. Uh, Jordan, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I think the problem is, and, you know, like maybe back in the day, there wasn't as many fillers and stuff added into food. And now there's a lot of fillers. There's a lot of stuff we don't really understand that's put into food that we don't really know. Um, we go right past the ingredients and we don't even pay attention to what's in it. Um, and that's that's a problem. A lot of us aren't educated on good eating habits and good health and what's good to eat and what's not good to eat. And I mean, really, if you grab a can off the shelf and you look at it, there's some stuff in there that you would look at and be like, I can't believe I'm actually eating this. But it's one of the things that happens and we get so used to it and we're just like, oh, this is easy to make. So I'll do it. And like you said, the prices for for food are going up outrageously right now. It's kind of like the same as gas. It just keeps going up and up. Um, there's a couple dogs over here right now. So you might hear my dog bark. <laughs> just just throwing that out there. Um but yeah, I think that's a lot of the main issue. I mean, like you said, a lot of people don't pay attention and it's kind of like your normal routine when you go on vacation. Now, the only difference I would say is, is maybe you don't go out to eat as much when you're at home, but when you go on vacation, you kind of hit that. And we've talked about it before. You kind of hit that phase where it's like, you know, I'm on vacation. I'm going to have a little bit of cheating here and I'm just going to eat what I want to. But the problem is we don't add the exercise back into it. So, um, like, I don't know why, but one of the things I want to do is run on the beach, go for a run on the beach. And I know you've done it multiple times, but when I'm down there, I'm just like, man, I'm on vacation. I'm here to relax. So it's, it's kind of one of those, you know, um, hard things to do to get your mind set straight on it, but you have to stay in the right mindset. And I think going back to it, I think the main thing is we don't learn this type of stuff in school. We're not educated on all this stuff. So learning it is completely different and you have to want to do it because you have to want to be in that atmosphere to understand what's going into your body and what you're eating. And I think a lot of us as Americans in general, just, we just want the ne the next easiest meal, the next easiest thing. Yep. Yep. Well, and, and so I, I agree with you on a lot of that. The problem that I'm going to have with this is as far as the education piece goes, is that, let's say for example you have you need you want a snack you want to get a snack and you have an apple or you have a pack of oreos how much of the population of the united states is going to go for that apple versus the oreos the the overwhelming majority the majority of time but everyone yeah. knows that the apple is healthier you know right. so that's that's where the part of this problem comes in if you go out to eat and you have the choice between grilled chicken or fried chicken the majority of people are going to pick fried chicken or they're going to get that grilled chicken and they're going to slather it in ranch. 
we know that that's not healthy. You like, you know, that people will say, yeah. Oh, I know that this I'm being bad. This is not the healthiest thing. So it's, it is an education thing because there's more we could do, but the onus has, has to be on the individuals to say, you know, I need to take better care of myself. And, yeah. and I think and I, that that that's the glaring thing. I think, I think you're right. Especially <laughs> with like the putting dressing on a salad, but the way a lot of people end up looking at it is it comes down to, well, this is better than what I would get if I would eat this. So it's less than that. And, you know, you kind of put it off as, well, it's healthier than the cheeseburger I would eat or the three cheeseburgers I would eat, or it's healthier than McDonald's or something like that. And sure, that might be the case, but you're still cheating yourself, even though you want to act like you're not. Right, right. Well, and I guess this is a what you talk talk about the salad thing. This is a good time to just pitch in. Um, salads are not great uh, alternatives. Just <laughs> throwing that out there because you know lettuce is basically just solid water. So, and even uh, if you're throwing in things like you know spit, spinach, the really that it's not as great of a substitute for food as you might think. So d- don't. Don't do the I need to eat salads to eat better thing. There's better things you can do. Make sure you're getting, you know, the proteins and things like we always talk about. But don't just drop drop on the salad bandwagon because it's uh, it's not the route to go. Yeah, it's not like uh, in Popeye where he eats the can of spinach and you yeah. grow muscles like crazy. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> now, now, I don't want this to be a message of when you're on vacation – you know, you shouldn't be enjoying yourself. You should be enjoying yourself on vacation. That should be the time when you can sit down and you can, you know, try, you can drink extra or eat extra or relax more and just enjoy yourself. That's fine. My point is that you shouldn't be living like that all the time and then go on vacation and do that. That doesn't, the vacation should be the exception, not the rule. Yeah, you just you're essentially doubling up everything. Then yeah. you know if you live that lifestyle and then you go on vacation, you you make it double that. Yeah. So okay, so we're gonna shift gears for that for now. Um, I know it's getting into that point of the year when everybody's starting to go on vacation because kids are out of school. So just keep in mind what we just said that what we just said there. But uh, Jordan, uh, I'm sure we've got some dirt news that you need to get ca- caught up on. So let's hear it. Um. Yeah, we don't have a whole lot. We just have like two or three weeks of it worth. Um, let me grab my notes here, trying to keep bales from jumping around at this dog. So, um, we will start off at, uh, Lincoln Speedway and last week, uh, we had Danny Dietrich picked up the win there. And then I wanted to touch on this cause I thought it was hilarious. Um, so they had midgets there and the one guy named Jeff Champagne, he dominated. He was the fastest in their timing. Uh, He was the fastest through their heat. He won heat one. Um, They did a double feature. He won the first feature. He won the second feature. And after he wins the second feature, it was like a a tandem feature where they run 10 laps, invert them, run 10 more laps. And after he won the second one, he goes to celebrate by doing a donut into turn one. And he dumped his car. He ended up flipping over. (laughs) And and threw a couple pieces off. Matter of fact, I think he was trying to do – the uh, 360 with the steering wheel off and the steering wheel actually flew out of the car in mid flip. Um, so, yeah, he uh, got out of the car and was jumping down, you know, trying to get everybody to cheer for him as he was running down the straightaway. But I think he caused more car or more damage to his car 
then uh, he got in a payout. So <laughs> it's pretty, pretty funny on that. You just got to kind of laugh. Um, but then we'll jump up to Port Royal. So I'm going to touch on the makeup feature. They uh, So they had um, the All-Stars were in town up there. But we'll touch on the makeup feature first. And Logan Wagner won the makeup feature. Um, I'm not sure if they started it or if they just got rained out and they picked up where they left off. But he ended up winning the makeup one. And then um, last night – oh, no – Last week, so two weeks ago, Logan Wagner won the makeup one. Last week, Jeff Halligan picked up the win at Port Royal. And then last night, Rick Lafferty picked up the win at Port Royal. So I'm starting to see more names getting into victory lane up at Port Royal. Um, I didn't get a chance to check the starting lineups on it. But something tells me these guys are starting on the front row when they're winning up there. So we will go to – I'll touch on the Grove now. Um, the Grove two weeks ago was, well, no, last week was Danny Dietrich. Cause I think I touched on the Grove two weeks ago, last, last podcast. So last week, uh, Danny Dietrich, he picked up the win there. Um, and then Chase Dietz, he picked up the win yesterday. Well, it was yesterday, yesterday, but it was uh Friday. He picked up the win there. Um, and then we will go to the All-Star Circuit of Champions. So this is when I'm going to go back to Port Royal. Two weeks ago was the Weikert Memorial. I told you guys in the last segment that I did that Anthony Macri won the Saturday night show and that we would see how he would do on Sunday. Well, Anthony Macri picked up the win then on Sunday, won the 29000 And the, one of the coolest trophies they have, um, it's like a bull. It's actually really cool. Um, so he walked away with two of them. And that was part of the All-Stars that they were at Port Royal. And then they moved on to Ohio. They went to Attica Raceway Park. And Zeb Wise, he picked up the win on the first night. And then Ohio local, well, I guess he's from the west end of PA, but he runs a lot of Ohio. Cole Duncan won night two. Um, It's cool to see him win against the All-Stars. He's one of the, like, local kind of guys that runs around here, but – doesn't run full all-stars or full local. He just kind of does a bunch of different ones. And then uh, Ohio has started their speed week. So Danny Dietrich picked up the win. I think it was the first night was uh, Friday. He picked up the win there on the first one. Um, I think they were at – I'm not sure if they were at Attica the first night. Not 100% sure, but he won. And then night two, they moved on to – I think it was Fremont. I'm again, I'm not sure for some reason, Um, but Parker Price Miller, he picked up the win in night two. Uh, It's cool for him. He's still doing the battle with leukemia. He's done his uh, chemo, but he's still battling leukemia. So it's cool to see him get in victory lane. Then we will jump to the world of outlaws and over Memorial Day weekend. They were in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. And Sheldon Hoddenshield, he picked up the win there. And this one was awesome because he was battling Kyle Larson, who came up from 16th to finish second. Um, but he finished second because uh, Sheldon Hoddenshield actually outdueled him. They were throwing sliders upon sliders upon sliders. And Sheldon ended up getting the last laugh and pulling out the win. So Kyle Larson gets back in a sprint car and does Kyle Larson things. We know how that goes. And, <laughs> and then they went to uh, – North Dakota, they were in River City. Uh, they were at River City Speedway, and Carson Macedo picked up the win there. I think that was uh, actually uh, 
last weekend or something. I'm not a hundred percent sure when that was. Um, I got to start putting dates on these, <laughs> but he won at river city when they were in North Dakota. And to, to be fair, it would just be easier if we would be able to record every single weekend. <laughs> right, we miss right. a week and we get screwed up. Right. So, um, then the outlaws this weekend, they were in Knoxville, Iowa at, uh, Knoxville raceway, the legendary Knoxville, um, and local PA posse favorite Brent Marks went down, I say down, went over to Iowa and he picked up the win at Knoxville on Friday night. And last night I was, I just watched the highlights on this. Um, it was Brian Brown, Blackjack Brian Brown. He picked up the win. So the Outlaws don't get a win in Knoxville. Um, Brian Brown runs Knoxville regularly. So it's a PA Posse win and a Knoxville, Iowa win. Um, he runs out there consistently. So we'll see what happens when it comes up to the Knoxville Nationals. A lot of guys are going to start venturing out there, getting some practice runs in there. Anthony Macri was there this weekend. Um, so he didn't run port. Um which he normally does. He normally has a pretty good run out there, but he was out in Knoxville trying to get some data for when the Knoxville Nationals come up. And then I'm going to throw another one at you. Um, this does not have to do with sprint car racing. It actually has the late models. And they had the Eldora Million. So the winner of this gets paid over a million dollars. It's a huge payout for dirt racing. Wondering when that's going to happen in the, the sprint cars. I mean, Knoxville's close to it, but... Well, I say it's close to it. It's not close to a million, but it's the highest paying one that they have so far. Yeah. Um, but Jason Davenport ended up picking up the win there. It got rained out on Wednesday. They were supposed to do a two night show. They actually did a two night show in one day and it was crazy to watch. Um, but Jason Davenport late into the night picked up the win there and he won the, the Eldora million. So, that's uh, pretty much all the dirt news I have for you. I, I'll probably end up thinking of something else <laughs> here later. Um, but I do want to remind you guys, the Elijah Hawkins Memorial Race is uh, coming up September 3rd. So make sure you guys mark your calendars, get on that, because um, we definitely uh, want to see you guys out there. And I guess I'll, I'll bring this up because I, I forgot about it. So I just kind of want to tell this cool little tidbit. So last Saturday – was the Steve Smith Memorial race, the Steve Smith tribute race. And um, so I went up there and that's one reason why we also couldn't record. Cause that Saturday I was at the race. So you wouldn't be able to hear me that well. Folks, uh, because they had a raffle off for wing panels and I was joking with the ladies. They work up at Substop, um, and we always go to eat with them. And I was joking with them at the raffle and I was like, what do I got to do to, you know, slip you some, some money to get the 19 wing. And she was like, Oh, you know, a hundred dollars jokingly. But then I put a uh, $19 in for the raffle and I ended up winging, winning the 19 wing panel anyway. So I had to find a way to get the sprint car wing panel home. But now that makes two wing panels I have, but it was really cool. I got the Steve Smith 19 wing. Um, it was posted up on Facebook. I'm sure you saw it, but it, it was pretty cool. Okay. Hang on a That's second. That's all the dirt. Yeah. Sorry about that. We had a little uh, 911 issue with uh, little Zachy needed to, to find his butt loader, basically. <laughs> no, it's, that's all okay. Right. No. Yeah, we were ending the dirt segment there, so. 
Yeah. All right. That's a good, that was a good place to transition anyway. So um, before we jump into the racing news, uh, just so real quick thing, um, I have, I already was a TRX ambassador, but um, now I have a new code. So anyone interested in TRX, you know, we talk about TRX regularly on this podcast. So, uh, you know, the TRX straps that, that we, I talk about so much, you can take them anywhere. We talked about vacations earlier. You can take them on vacation. You can hang them from uh, a playground. You can hang them from the roof of a, a, a car that has a roof rack on them. They're very versatile, um, kind of an extension of body weight movements. So anyone interested in getting yourself a TRX, uh, go and order one using my code TRX20RACERU, all one word, and get yourself 20% off. So it's a pretty good deal. Um, I know that TRX equipment can seem a little bit pricier compared to, you know, if you just go to, you know, a Walmart and get their little discount $15 one, but I promise you I've used them both and the TRX is way more user-friendly. It's just a lot easier to use, a lot easier to adjust, uh, well worth the money. So anyone who's interested in getting yourself TRX, use that code to get yourself 20% off um, and go, go out there, take it out to the park and work out in the park. It's nice outside, nice and warm. Get your, some, yourself some sun. Yeah, there's no sun here, but I might have to look into that. 20% sounds like a really good deal. <laughs> it is a really good deal. And uh, we'll, we'll start posting uh, the, the link here uh, probably next week. To You can just click right from the podcast description to, uh, to go right to that link. So, um, Jordan, we got a lot of racing to talk about. I want to start with Monaco, the F1 Grand Prix, just because I feel like that'll be the shortest segment. So, obviously, this race started off in a delay because of rain. It was raining way too hard. <laughs> um, but then the, the action got started. And even though this was probably the most uh, entertaining and uh, tense Monaco Grand Prix I've ever watched and I've started watching, you know, 2014 or 15. Uh, it still was just a big game of follow the leader. What were your thoughts? Yeah. So when it came down to it, you know, it was pretty funny and ironic how the uh, announcers were kind of bashing the FIA for holding them back when we know we saw the race uh, last year where they tried to run it and they, the drivers couldn't see anything. They only ended up running two laps. Um, but I think that was at, kinda, at, at Spa, at Spa, yeah, not at Monaco. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I didn't know what track it was. I knew it was last year. Um, I just didn't know what track it was. But yeah. um, I think they kind of they kind of messed up. But you know, they could have started it. But would it have mattered if they started it? I don't think so. Um, I think it would have turned into pretty much what Spa was. So I was kind of glad that they held the start off. Um, and, and I don't know, the way the announcers were making it, to me, it seemed like they were doing the right thing, but the way the announcers and everybody made it that they felt the race should have been started. Um, but then after that, once the race got going and, you know, Miranda was actually watching it, and I told her this is like, you know, their biggest race of the year. By technicalities, it's like the 500 um, for NASCAR. And I, they start the race, that's probably how they're going to finish. And boy, was I wrong. Um, I did not realize that Ferrari was going to make that big of a mess up on their strategy right. calls. Um, right. Yeah, it, it just blew my mind. But that's where I, I said before that I think Red Bull has the advantage when it comes to pulling strategies out because 
the last couple of years, Ferrari hasn't been involved in this. So Red Bull has a, a good way of changing things up and, you know, making, making you play your hand before you want to. And Ferrari's making mistakes out of it. And it showed at Monaco big time. And I was happy for Perez to pull out the win. Um, after the week before, everybody saying, you know, Red Bull made him pull over so Max could win. This one, Perez goes out and pretty much dominates. He was dominating in practice. Um, besides Leclerc, who ended up getting stuck back in traffic. And like we were just saying, once you get back in traffic in, in at Monaco, it's almost impossible to recover from um, unless you get, a, you know, a, a safety car kind of like, a, was it Mazepin? Oh, dear. <laughs> that, that Schumacher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sh- <laughs> Schumacher. Yeah, I forgot about Mazepin. Mazepin's not there. Yeah. Schumacher. Jeez, he took the wall down um, and the car ripped in half. But, you know, other than that, I thought Monaco was a decent race. There was more passing. And apparently, you know, the for the first time in I don't know how many years, the driver on the pole did not win. Yeah. Well, well the driver on the pole didn't win last year either, Leclerc. But he didn't even start the race last oh, yeah, year. Right. So it was Max just basically <laughs> was because he was qualified. He qualified second. He was a de facto uh, you know, first one, two, turn one, if you will. Right. Um, but yeah, so uh, to me, like, the, yeah, it, this whole thing came down to to Ferrari botching the uh, the strategy, like you said. The passing, the only reason that it seemed like there was any passing, it was like Gasly. I saw him pass a couple times, um, but it was because guys were on full wets, guys were on inters, guys were switching over to um, to, to slicks. Slick. And so it was like that kind of created some of the the very few passing that there was. But then after uh, Mick, you know, f- totally tore the wall down, which, by the way, again, just reminding everybody, these cars are designed to split like that as a safety feature when when they hit the wall hard. We've seen this happen right. twice this year. It's not that Mick has, you know, destroyed the, these two cars being, you know, just being Mick. It was these cars are kind of designed in those kind of impacts to, to tear apart, to protect the driver. So, yeah, but he still did it and he still cost and cost a lot of money. And we're not going to talk about Azerbaijan uh, today, even though that race just uh, completed about an hour ago. Um, but it looked like Mick was running very, very safely today. He was maybe just instructed, do not get in trouble. Do not wreck the car. Cause he, he was really, really slow today. But um, just we're not like I said, we're not going to talk about that race. We'll talk about that next week. Um, but there is speculation that Mick could be replaced. Uh, I don't know if that's such a great idea because Mick is obviously the Schumacher name, such a big deal. So I think that that would be a bad idea for Haas to to just replace him. Uh, but getting back to the Monaco Grand Prix after that, you know, red flag, and or after the safety car, and then uh, you know we got going again. It was, you know, out of the pit lane, Perez, then Sainz, then Verstappen and Leclerc behind because Ferrari botched the, um, botched the strategy. And there was, you know, clearly Perez was probably the slowest of the four, but no one could pass. Sainz made it very, very tough, and he he about had him a couple times, but other than that, it was there. It really wasn't close for the rest of those top four, there was really not a lot of big time threats for passing. Uh, and then you even saw like Alonzo 
back uh, was extremely slow. I saw he was like five seconds off the pace and Hamilton was behind him and he couldn't pass. So it's, it's just, this is the nature of this racetrack where there's not really good places to pass unless you have exceptional things like the, the tire strategy with the wets going to the enters. Uh, it's, it's just not a great racetrack to have, uh, to have your crown jewel. Yeah. You know, in F in FIA's defense, like, what do you do? This is your crown jewel. This is your biggest race of the year. Do you just take it off the schedule? Well, based off of not renewing the contract as of now, that looks like what's going to happen. I've, I've seen some reports that it's safe, but I actually do have a, a, a strategy, you know, the last time we talked, um, I had a strategy on how to fix the also race. This time I have a strategy on how to fix the Monaco Grand Prix. <clears throat> so th- there's still, th- I don't have it, all the answers to this one, but I think I have a good baseline. So you can't race it at this racetrack. You just can't. It's not possible. So my solution here is we go lights out, but maybe we have a light system in front of each driver. We're going to release maybe the top 10 every five seconds. So, so, you know, pole goes, then five seconds later, second goes, five seconds later, third, blah, 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 all the way down the line. After maybe 10th, we can shorten that up to three seconds or so because it's not quite as critical. But the reason we do this is because we're not racing. You're not racing the car in front of you. You're racing the clock. So now, you know, if, if, your pole sitter is Leclerc and second place is Verstappen. If Max finishes behind Leclerc, but within five seconds, so he finishes three seconds behind. Well, now Max is actually the winner because we're going off of time driven. We're not going off of like who's in front, essentially. Um, I think that that would give a better race to this, to this particular race. The only thing is like what what happens if you catch that guy in front of you? Well, I think that there needs to be some kind of understanding with the drivers. Number one, like, hey, if you're holding somebody up and you're racing them, you're slowing yourself down. So let them go to improve your own time. Number one. Number two, we can do the blue flags if such and such is within half a second of the driver in front at a particular area or for so long. Um, just give them blue flags, let them pass, make them pass and continue racing. I think that that's going to be provide a more competitive, a more intriguing race than what we have right now. Unfortunately, I don't believe that that's going to happen. I don't, I don't see any, any big change coming like that. Um, like, cause it's not an all-star race or anything. It's a, it's a crown jewel. Um, so I don't see them changing that. Like, you know, an all-star race, I can maybe understand it where it's a race that doesn't really count for points. I just, I mean, I get what you're saying because they don't really pass anyway. Um, so you're, you know, you're kind of adding a different element into it, but I, I just don't see people wanting to change that due to, you know, just like you said, like if, if the guy gets in front of you and you can't get around him. I mean, we see it notoriously at Monaco, the car in front holds the car up behind. I mean, even Perez probably wasn't the fastest out of the four, but none of them could get around them and they were right. all in pretty much a line. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily see that being a good change for them. Um, you know, and I don't think a lot of people are going to want to make that change. I think that people would like to see that change just because I think it's, it's either 
I think ultimately, if you just keep letting this race go as it is, it, it's not going to. The only thing it's servicing right now is the rich people who like to go and hang out on the yachts. Because other than that, it's not a well liked race by the fans. Like it, it was well liked to see Perez win, but the right. race itself was not very well liked. I don't feel like uh, in general, like this race may be exceptionally because of the weather, but other than that, it, it is one of the least favorite races of the year just because of the nature of this. I mean, five seconds off the pace and you can't pass. That's that's pretty bad, I think. And yeah. especially when the guy trying to pass is Lewis Hamilton, who's having a down year, but still is Lewis Hamilton, you know? Yeah. And and I mean, I 100 percent agree with you, but uh, it's it's like one of those things like, are you really going to change a, a crown jewel now? Like the Brickyard 400, I don't know if you consider that a crown jewel and we changed that to the road course. You know, and a lot of people didn't like it. And other people say we should go back to the Oval. And other people say, you know, at Indy, we weren't really making a lot of passes anyway. So it kind of falls back on that. But I don't know. I don't know if if F1 can do that. I I just don't know if they can make that sort of a change. I think it's I think it's too much of a legacy for Monaco to be able to to make any sort of big change like that. I think it's one of those things that when everybody goes there, they understand, Hey, you got to qualify in the top four. Or you're not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that they will make a change, especially because FIA is kind of stuffy about, you know, doing things like this. I don't, I don't foresee them doing it, but I think it would make a more compelling race. I think it would bring some interest back to the race. I think it would really save it. Cause I think the way it's trajecting right now, um, if it's left on the schedule, it's just going to be one of those like, well, we have to put it on here um, just because we've always had it. But it's I think if if they start to realize what a crappy race it is, it's going to just go. It's going to be gone. And I think that this would be a way to save it. So well, but, I, I um, don't know. if I don't know. I think you'd have to look at the TV ratings and, you know, what the ratings actually are overall. But I don't think they're losing ratings just because of that. I think it's one of those things, you know, with fans and, you know, race fans and people in general on Memorial Day that if you're a race fan, it's one of the biggest days in racing. And I think it's one of those things you just put it on. And I don't necessarily know if you're viewing it, but when, you know, they go to pull up the viewerships for it, it looks like, you know, three TVs in this household had the race on when really it was on, but no one was watching it. They're just checking in to see how it was going right well i mean to to the point i thought the indy 500 was a very great race and the coke 600 which hasn't been so great it was which we're gonna get to that in just a second but um you know traditionally that would have been the least entertaining race and even even with the tension that there was it's still nothing really happened you know, yeah. the most it, yeah. it was like the rain and Mick wrecked, and then Ferrari botched the pit strategy, and that's the only way that these races change is pit strategy. There's not really much else you can do about it, and so yeah, that's 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 to my point. Like, I think that they need to do something else to make it more entertaining. But if they just want to let it the way it is and be stuffy about it, I feel like this race is just going to be doomed to be a boring race and or eventually be taken off the schedule. Yeah. I don't so, know if they'll take it off the schedule, but I think it's doomed to just be boring. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's go talk about another race that wasn't boring. We got the Coke 600. Uh, this race, Charlotte, I have been very critical of. Um, I think we need to keep the 600 because it is a crown jewel race. It is 
uh, a unique race because of the distance. I think that we need to have a 600 mile race, even, you know, just one, but we need to have it because it's, it's, it's different. It's a crown jewel. Um, and it shows the driver's endurance. I think that that's very important. It has not been great racing over the last six, seven, eight years at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And I've, I've said that that's why we went to the Roval in the fall. But this race was absolute chaos pretty much from the go. Um, yes. a, lot of, a lot of spinning, a lot of guys just kind of losing it on their own. And then a lot of comers and goers. I think that you know your boy Kyle Larson uh, really, really was the highlight of the race up until the very end has – you know, he was up and down and up and down and sideways and on fire. And, uh, you know, he really made great TV in that race. He, he um, gave the perfect example of why, why you want one 600 mile race because, yeah. I mean, when he hit halfway, he still had all that time to come back up through. So that's, you know, one example why you want the 600 race or 600 mile race. So I, I was really intrigued by this race. I thought it was great. And especially coming down to the end, um, obviously Chase Briscoe, our boy. Um, man, I, I was sitting there, and I was like, "We're winning the Coke Six Hundred. We're going to win this race. It is a ring race. We're going to get a ring to win this." And unfortunately, it just wasn't meant to be. Um, I, he went I, in I like Miley Cyrus, like a wrecking ball. You know, he, I feel like he he made the move that he needed to make. Um, the opportunity was there, and and he just sent it just a little too hard. Uh, I don't know if he would have been able to pass Kyle if he wouldn't have spun out. Um, but yeah, I kind of threw a little hissy fit when when he spun out. I was very disappointed in that. Uh, but um, you know, it, was, it made very good, very good racing. Uh, made, made very entertaining racing. Uh, but then that led to the absolute chaos in overtime. Yeah. So w- let me let me hear your thoughts on it before I give mine. So. Um, I actually was asleep for this, <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't get to see the overtime restart, um, just because I wake up at two o'clock on uh Monday, um, even though it was Memorial day weekend. So I'm actually drawing a blank on the, the, the green, white checkered here. So, so that I'll was when, uh, when Austin Dillon sent it in and they came off the turn four wide. I mean, hey, we've seen Austin <laughs> Dillon win at Charlotte before, so yeah, you know, and, so and we really seen, we've seen. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I was gonna say, Austin really like if if he wanted to, he could have when he shipped it in there into turn three. All he needed to do, if he really wanted to, he could have just let it drift up, drift up, and door Larson and kind of use him as a pick and continue going. But he decided to lift, and that's what created that run off turn four for the guys behind. And uh, they just, you know, they just piled in. You'll you'll have that four wide off turn four at Charlotte, right? Um, but yeah, that was uh, it, it. Was awesome racing all the way down into the end. Uh, I think the uh, the highlight wreck of the night obviously was Chris Busher, which, un, you know, wow. unfortunately, yeah that that was very uh, unexpected. Just the way the way it happened in real time, um, you just kind of sliding through the grass and everyone up to that point. Now there's grass on that side. Um, but everyone had slid through the turf on the turn four side and had no problem. All of a sudden, Chris Busher is just sliding through and just kind of like a movie, just 
boom, up in the air. And if you didn't know what happened is basically his suspension broke when he made contact with Suarez as they were spinning through the infield. So when they were, he got turned uh, into the grass, the, the suspension that was on the side that he was spinning to dug into the ground and it catapulted him up in the air is, is what happened. Thankfully we have tethers to, to retain all the parts. So we didn't have a wheel assembly flying up into the grandstand um, but I think the, the good thing that we can say about this is that, Hey, the car held up pretty nicely. Uh, just unfortunately, Chris had to be on his dome for there for a little while. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I was thinking about this cause I hear a lot of people talking about it. Like you got to flip him over as soon as you know, he's okay. And flip him over as quick as you can. Uh, and I, I think people miss the point of the reason why they take so long to, to turn him back over. And the main reason is because he just went through what four or five flips in a row and yeah, landed on the head. Yeah. So your adrenaline after that is super like high levels of adrenaline yeah, pumping through you. So you could look at them and say, yeah, I'm okay. But you don't actually know a lot of this happens to a lot of sprint car drivers where they go through a huge flip and they get out of the car and they walk away. And then before you know it, they're going to the hospital once they start calming down because they have, a back injury. And this is why NASCAR takes their time because they want to make sure if there is a back injury that he does not know about, that they do not amplify the issue at hand. So, I mean, six minutes upside down is a, a long time. Cause I, I don't know how many people who are not in shape could hang upside down for six minutes. Yeah. So I do feel they need to get a little bit quicker. Um, instead of taking their time completely. But that's the reason why they, they flip it over so slow, because if you just flip it over and, you know, whether they're tires, whatever it is, and it bounces off the ground, you're making him compress his spine again. Now, I get people say, well, he just went through four flips in a row. If he's saying he's fine, he's fine. But yeah, but your adrenaline's rushing like crazy. So he's not going to know, you know, unless his back breaks in half, he's not going to know the amount of pain he's in while the adrenaline's pumping. Yeah, and I under, understand why they uh, they do that. I think that that makes sense to to protect the driver. But the thing is, if the driver is is hurt, isn't there a possibility that him being upside down could also be, you know, causing an issue there? Yes. You know what I mean? Like so. So yeah. You know, I guess it's kind of pick your battles on that side of it. So I think it's it's too long, but I think that they what they did was very effective and about as fast as you could do it. So I don't have any complaints about how they did it. It's just, you know, Chris is sitting upside down in there. And if he is hurt, I feel like being in that awkward position for that long could hurt him worse. Well, yeah, it's like if you go to if you revert back to when Ryan Newman had that big crack at big wreck at Daytona and he was upside down. I mean, it took them a while to get him out of the car, too. Um, obviously, he was unconscious, but it took them a while to get him out, too, and that was a different car. So, I mean, imagine if Chris Buescher was hurt. I mean, I know we have tethers on, you know, the pieces so they don't go flying around, but that suspension, the way it broke, if it shot back through the car and, you know, stuck in his leg or something and he's hanging upside down, yeah, that's going to make a huge difference. I guess the question there that we don't have an answer to is if he was hurt, what would they do in that situation? Right. So I almost wonder if 
maybe if there's like some kind of system that they can do, they can have um, like a big kind of inflatable that they can put on the other side of the car so they can just inflate that really quick and just push the car over. You know right. what I mean? But I think that I think the issue you have in there is like, what if you push the car doesn't go all the way over and then rolls back on a person. So, you know, maybe, right. maybe there's just not a great answer here. No, I mean, the, the way they did it was, I don't think was a problem. I just think they have to be more efficient. Now, this is the first car that flipped over and stayed on the lid that they had to roll back over. Obviously Harrison Burton flipped over, but he bounced back on all fours. So right. I don't know if NASCAR practices this a lot, but they, they need to take a look at what they just went through. And if they don't, they need to start working on it just to get, you know, their times faster because obviously driver safety is the most important thing in this situation. Right. right. So uh, I think it'd be better if they, you know, practice it. And and I, I'm starting to find out, I guess NASCAR doesn't have the AMR safety crew travel with them. They just have a different one for the track, each track they're at. Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's just like that. local. It's a local group that shows up to the track. Yeah. So with that being said, I think NASCAR might have to look at investing in maybe possibly getting a safety crew that travels full time um, and can practice doing this on days that they're, you know, they're not there throughout the week. Right. Well, Denny Hamlin goes on to win that race, uh, got himself his basically his final crown jewel. Dude's done everything but win a championship. Um more on him in the next race. So do anything to add for the 600 there, Jay? No, I, I do want to revert back to the all-star race though. Cause I didn't agree with what you said about the winter net. <laughs> and oh. the, the thing, the thing I'm going to point out here on this, and we don't have to stay on this real long, but the thing I'm going to point out here on this is, um, I don't think Blaney was in the wrong. I think NASCAR was in the wrong. They should have brought him down, gave him a spot bag. Cause normally he would have won. Yep. Um, and you can't let him go into the corner you know, you can't let him go green when, when he doesn't have the safety net or the window net up. Well, it's for safety purposes, so that's the main thing. Um, the the part that I don't agree with is the rule states that the window net is to be up at all times when the yep. car is on the track. Yep. We've gotten numb to the fact that after the winner crosses the line, they drop the safety net and drive around the track. And my thing is, if you're going to if they were going to dock Ryan Blaney for doing that, then the rule's going to have to stay. Hey, look, while your car's in motion on the track, whether you won, whether it's the race is over, whatever, if your car window net has to stay up. That's just the way I feel about it. I know they do the interview on the tr- the front stretch, but maybe this is a reason why we have to move it back to victory lane. Well, I, I agree with you on the on that sentiment about the window net. My point of it was just like his his crew chief and his spotter it's like they didn't know the rules they were they were surprised right. it's like y- you have to know and you if nascar really wanted to be strict about it they could have said no 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 no. you should have known the rules even if we called this caution too soon you should have known the rules it's your fault for not telling your driver and right. I, I don't think that that's you know unfair they should have been on the radio immediately cautions out cautions out we need to wait and see if the race was actually over they needed to have that immediately but they didn't and so i feel like but at at the least at the least they should have called him down and give him his spot back that's the minimum 
Yeah, I I think they should have at least made sure it was secure. They they screwed up with the caution. They had a quick trigger on it, whatever. But I think they at the point of safety because you know we threw the caution for a safety issue, and then we're we're gonna let a guy drive around with a window net that's not completely secured. Yeah. Um, and everybody knows that it the the driver can't secure it themselves. I mean, everybody right. knows that. So I think NASCAR made two wrongs, which didn't make a right at all. But yeah. we can go into worldwide technology. Well, real quick, did, what did you think of my uh, changing the all-star race to the, the dirt track? Did you yay or nay? I mean, I, I'm going to say no. And the only reason why I say no is because I'm kind of on the same stance as Kyle Larson with this. I don't think the cup cars, I think we did it and it was cool, you know, to get them on there. But I just don't think with how heavy these cars are, that they can put on a show on dirt. Um, I know we we saw Chase Briscoe spin out Reddick, you know, and it was it was all cool and everything. But I think the way we do the dirt track, if we are going to do an all star race on dirt, I think it'd be you know unique. It'd be pretty cool. It'd be probably a better format. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. I think I think the Cup cars should leave dirt. It kind of makes me mad that they don't have the Xfinity cars on dirt. But I think we should take this back to the truck race and let the trucks just do it. It was a unique, unique thing when they did it. Uh, I just don't think NASCAR should be on dirt. Um, I well, think they do you should think that, off. You think that the all-star race at Bristol would be a better format than what we had at Texas? Yes. Okay. Well, definitely. That's, I mean, Texas, that's, that's Texas has been the only, yeah, Texas has been the only mile and a half that um, this year hasn't performed out in any way, yeah. shape or form. So, Yeah. <clears throat> okay, we can slug this more, uh, slug this out more uh, next week. But uh, we will transfer over to Worldwide Technology Raceway, aka Gateway. Um, so Gateway is actually a track that I've always really liked going to. Um, it's it's really cool because you can see the Gateway Arch actually on the property. It's just across the Mississippi River. Um, it's in an area that I would say is not the nicest. But I've always liked the track. Uh, it kind of fits that like old kind of grungy track kind of feel that I like. Um, and I've won there once with Seabell uh, uh, in the truck series. The one race we won that year with him. Uh, and guess what we got in victory lane? We got Domino's Pizza, which was really cool. That was a big plus in my book. Um, but that, that racetrack, I, I've always kind of liked it. I think it's very unique. It's got really, really, really long straightaways and really, really tight turns. Right. Jordan, I know I texted you before the race. I said, I think this is going to be another Martinsville. And I think I was wrong in that. I thought it was a really good race, um, even without the chaos between Chastain and everybody else. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a decent race. I think there was comers and goers, and I think you could pass. Um, the track definitely came in around the top, which was awesome to see. Because yep. I was kind of thinking it was going to be one of those, you know, bump you out of the way and, you know, move you so I can pass you. Yep. Which, I mean, in some aspects, it was kind of that way. Um, but I think it was a better race than everybody thought it was going to end up being. And I, I think they earned the second date that they're going to get next year. So, I, I mean, I thought that it, it was good. And I thought that what made it different than Martinsville. Whereas at Martinsville in the corners, if you – nerfed someone you almost just gave them a boost it was like they got a mushroom in mario kart and they just took off right um so you could bump somebody and kind of move them and 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 joust them out of the way a little bit 
Um, but also down the straightaway, it was like the straightaways were just long enough that if you got a really good pull off the corner, um, you could on the last seven eighths of the straightaway, you could really make a run into the corner and try to get down below and slide job or, or get to the top on somebody. Um, so it was like that, that last little bit on that straightaway was being really long. You could really power down into the corner against the guy. And that's what enabled a lot of the passing um, with the exception of Kurt, Kurt Bush could just hook the bottom and just, he could just turn and stay in the gas. Uh, but everyone else, it was kind of like, in order to pass, you just really drove deep into the corner. You got him at the last little bit before the, the turn and you just slid up in front of him. And so you could pass. It was really tough, but you could, um, you could have comers and goers. If you were good, like, you know, like Kurt Busch, like Joey Logano, you could come from the back to the front. Um, even Chase Briscoe, who, you know, started on pole and led the early section of the race. He came from the, the back to the front about three times before finally going to the back and staying there. So yeah, it, the flat tire killed me. It, oh. <laughs> yeah. So by the way, that Jordan's pick last week was Briscoe. Mine was Chastain. Um, and I was really hating my pick about halfway through the race. <laughs> so, but like, like you said, I, I thought that, uh, I thought gateway earned their win. I heard that the facility was amazing. They did a great job with it, which is really impressive. Cause I'm telling you the times I've been there, I liked it, but it, really surprised me that we could make a cup race out of this. Uh, but I mean, heck the, the grandstand sold out. I know it's not a ton of stands, but we don't really need a ton of stands right now. That's, right. that's the future. So the grandstand sold out. The TV ratings were good. It, I think it definitely deserved its, its spot in our cup series. <clears throat> so, but let's, uh, let's transition over. First of all, awesome job by Joey Logano to, you know, him and, Bush gave us about one of the best finishes of a race this year. That was awesome. Just, you know, switch over, switch over, pass, pass. And then finally Joey ended up in front. So that was really exciting. Um, but w- what's your thoughts on the, the Ross Chastain thing? I felt like he screwed up the thing with Denny Hamlin. Um, I feel like the, the incident with Elliot was just him sticking his nose in there. I think, I feel like if, the Denny Hamlin part hadn't happened. The, the chase Elliott one wouldn't have been a big, as big of a deal. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of on the same thing as that, but you know, I'm going to throw you for a curveball, and I'm going to agree with Justin Marks. I don't feel Ross Chastain did anything wrong and I'll tell you why. So, you know, we were talking about how it could be hard to pass here, you know, whatever. Yep. yep. Um, so if you listen to Denny Hamlin's, interview he actually tells you ross caught him and was trying to pass him multiple times tried to you know slide up in front of him multiple times and why didn't it work because hamlin wouldn't allow him to make that pass so if we're going to talk about the give and take right there ross was definitely faster than him he just couldn't get it to stick around him and denny's all right to hold his spot he's all right to do that but when you do that you have to understand the repercussions that are eventually going to come and we know from past experience ross is a a, an aggressive driver but it's not just ross that would do it a lot of people would be like all right look i've been trying to pass you five six seven laps now you're holding me up i'm gonna give you the bumper and i think ross tried to give him the bumper to move him up out of the way and gave it to him harder than he wanted to yeah and you know 
Denny lost control of it, sent him into the wall. And you could tell Ross wasn't trying to do it intentionally. He wasn't trying to wreck him. He was trying to move him. Um, I don't think he did anything wrong. I think he did, you know, what he thought he needed to do because as Denny said in his interview, oh, he kept trying to slide up in front of me and I I wasn't allowing it. Well, if you're not going to allow it, then you have to understand what's going to happen. And Denny knows that. And the, the temper tantrum he threw after it, I can understand he got wrecked out of the race and he probably had a decent car. And he, you know, I, I say out of the race, but he probably, you know, he had a decent car. He was able to continue, um, obviously laps down. But then the, the mind games that, you know, Denny Hamlin started playing, to me, it is what it is. I mean, he was pissed off, but, you know, I was more or less on the side of if you're going to retaliate, just do it. Just do you it, know, yeah. And if you're not going to do it, you're going to save it for a different time. Then wait till a different time. But don't play these. You know, in in my opinion, the part where he was holding Ross up, it was it was smart on Denny's part because Ross was on the crash clock. But the part that I have an issue with it is if they're not meeting minimum speed for so many laps, technically that's becoming a safety issue because you're yeah. holding them up and the field's coming. Um, and with how slow they were rolling around. To me, that's a safety issue. That's that, in my opinion, should draw a caution based off of how slow they were going. Um, but even after NASCAR had told him, you know, okay, you made your point, you ran him all the way down to the grass, and yep. I get it. From that point on, you can run him hard whenever he's around you, and I'm sure Ross expected that. And you ran him all the way down to the grass. You know, you didn't cause a wreck there. You kept it going. You know, after the thing happened with Elliot. And then you, you came up and all but sideswiped him there. You know, I, I get you. You're making your point. But now, in my opinion, you're going to sit there and you're going to say, well, it's still not done. Well, I mean, you kind of harassed him all race. Sure, you might not have got what you wanted out of it because he still ended up with an eighth place, an eighth, eighth right. place finish. But, you know, I, I feel like I'm all for the let him have at it. The garage got it policed itself. But if you're going to do it, do it. Don't sit there and, you know, I, I get he was trying to ruin his race without wrecking him, you know, but now you brought all the eyes on you because now you told NASCAR, it's not done. It's going to happen again. And what's going to happen when he does it? Because now, you know, anytime from this point on, if Hamlin does anything to Ross, it's going to be deemed intentional, whether it was or not. Right. So, I mean, they're going to look at the data, sure, but a lot of, especially now like Elliot, you know, put him into the wall. But if Elliot doesn't think it's done, which I think it's done between them, at least for now, but if Elliot puts him in the wall, they're going to think the same thing. Oh, he intentionally did that. So now you draw red flags. That's why if Hamlin would have just gone out there and dumped him and wrecked him and caught it a day, NASCAR would have been like, Oh, okay. You know, we're over and done with it. But now he, he dropped the spotlight. He drew the spotlight on himself for the rest of the race because literally anytime Ross got there, and it wasn't that he was necessarily racing him hard. By all means, race him hard. But it was the the playing the mind games that they were doing to me started causing safety issues for other drivers on the track. And let's let's not exclude Denny Hamlin for being mad about that. He then goes after Ricky Stenhouse right. for spinning out Bubba Wallace and does almost the same thing, using his car, you know, to get up in front of him and show his displeasure with him and. You know, if I was Ricky Stenhouse or Ross Chastain, as Denny Hamlin was doing that, I would have dumped him again. Yeah. Um, just because 
he's putting himself in that position and you're, you, you know, as much as you're mad about it happened to your car or it happened to you, you keep doing that. You know, I see Ricky Stenhouse eventually doing it. He'll, he'll dump you again and not think twice about it. But I think Ross was so upset about, you know, wrecking Hamlin and then wrecking Elliot and everybody coming at him. And I guess he had some tussles with everybody else on the track too. Um, I think he was down on himself, but I, I'm with Justin Marks. I think his driver didn't do anything wrong. I think it was a racing deal, especially on the Elliott one. I think it was just him trying to go yeah, three that, wide. That was just, that's it's a restart deal that, you know, they, they yeah. were all just, you're just trying to get the most you can. Uh, maybe you could argue he stuck his nose and where it didn't belong, but that's right. part of the restart. Like you, you got to take what you can get on the restarts. Right. So my, my take on it, like, I, I'm, I'm glad you agree. <clears throat> I, I felt like the initial accident with Denny, you know, I, I agree. You're holding the driver up. Eventually they're going to lay the bumper to you. You know, that's coming. I felt like it was a little bit of a desperate move for, for Ross. It wasn't the best time to, to lay that bumper to him. And you did put him in the wall. Like you didn't just move him. You, you did wreck him. So, you know, yeah, that, that is on you. Um, but that's part of racing. Uh, now I, I agreed with, uh, with, you know, Denny took a swipe at him, kind of blocked him down to the grass I felt I felt like it was a little strong move because what you know, if Ross hits that grass and tries to come up, spins out in front of the field and wrecks three or four other cars, I the only thing I could have wished is if that would have happened, it would have taken out another JGR car or one or both of Denny's cars. That would have made it really awesome. Just be like, hey, way to go, dummy. Yeah, but running but, him down that low, if Ross and him make contact, the only way to go is out you know, towards the outside right. wall. That's what I'm saying. Like, like yeah. other drivers are going to pile in and it would have just been great if that would have been the situation. And Denny took out some of his own guys in, in, right. that, in that swipe. So, but you know, after that, I kind of thought like everything after that, the, the swiping at him after the Elliot thing, after, you know, holding him up on the restart and just the constant, constant, constant badgering. It's like, dude, to me, it's like you took you took your one swing back. You didn't hit him as hard as he hit you. You're done. You know, like right. that, that should have been it right there. That should have been the end of that game. You know, but right. it just kept going on and on and on and on. And I agree. It was a safety thing. I think NASCAR should have stepped in at some point and said, dude, knock it off or we're gonna black flag you. You're gonna be done for the day. You took your right. you took your swing, you failed, move on. So well, but and they that, actually they actually did. They told um, they told uh, his crew chief to tell him, "Hey, look, you made your point. Now let's knock it off." Well, they said that, Hamlin but then they didn't. He, they didn't right, do anything, they didn't about do anything about it. Right. So it's like you know NASCAR has to step up in that situation because, like, you know, like we were just saying, what happens if if you wreck somebody and then somebody else piles in and gets hurt? Right. Now that's on you, NASCAR, because you didn't step in and do anything about it. You knew they were going to do something stupid. Right. So, um, but like. Then it all goes back to I know Ross was feeling bad, and I know that you know Dale Jr. on his podcast was saying that he was Ross was full of crap. I've never heard Ross to to go like that, so I, I think Ross was genuinely not feeling very happy about it because Ross Chastain isn't that kind of guy. He'll if you know, he'll just be like you know whatever it was a racing deal. I messed up. He's not gonna. He doesn't go to that space. Unless he's really feeling that he's not trying to, he's not a guy that's out there to try to get attention like that. Right. So I, I don't, I don't, I believe that he was being fairly genuine in that interview. 
Um, but then he, you know, yeah. he did end up coming up to eighth. It, it kind of goes back to the, you know, like Harvick last year. You know, you keep saying you're going to do something about it. Well, do something about it. You know, right. if, you, if you're going to wreck Elliot, wreck him out. But in this case, if you're if you're going to Denny, if you're going to wreck Chastain, wreck him because you didn't. Yeah, you you harassed him all race, and he came back to finish eighth. You didn't get the job done. And, and see now, like the the and this is my point. So now. We we saw this with Matt Kenseth and eye for an eye. You know, Logano took him out at Kansas, and then he took him out at Martinsville to you know ruin his playoff chances. Right. Well, now you know Denny's sitting there on camera saying, "Well, I'm going to take him out when it hurts," and everybody's saying, "Well, if if Denny has a bad you know first part of the playoffs and Ross makes it through and Denny doesn't, well, that's when he's going to strike." Well, what's NASCAR going to do after that? I, you know what I mean? I think that's and, the situation. Like it's premeditated. If that happens, you need to park him. You right. set the precedent with Kenseth. You need to park him. Right. And and like I said, I'm all for throwing the bumper and drivers policing themselves, you know, but Ross is in here saying, oh, I'm going to wait till he's in the championship race and then I'm going to dump him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that that's not that's not what he's saying. You know, like what Ross did, I have no problem with. I mean, yeah, it's it's a racing deal. He probably did it before he wanted to. And yeah, he put him in the wall. So he gets the repercussions from it. And, you know, he was sentimental about it. And completely understand he he probably should have been you know he's making a lot of people mad and that's not what he needs to do right now but on the flip side of that denny hamlin's making a lot more people mad i think yeah you know acting the way he was defending his car um that was spun out that didn't even wreck it was just spun out um and then he's gonna you know do that to ricky stenhouse when ricky stenhouse right now doesn't have a dog in the fight you know what's it going to mean to Stenhouse to, to dump Hamlin whenever he wants to, you know, nothing. Right. He's not in the playoffs. He doesn't, you know, it, he can do that whenever he wants. Um, and I think everybody's seeing the way Hamlin's reacting to it. I think it's going to make things worse for him because, you know, as much as everybody's seen how Ross was driving and they didn't agree to it, I think they're going to think the same thing. They're not going to agree with the way Hamlin was doing what he was doing last week. So, I think Hamlin being up front in the news right now with NASCAR and the stuff he was talking about, about not, you know, putting money forth until they make changes and this and that as a a team owner. And then he's in the news about, you know, being wrecked by this guy and having an attitude and NASCAR telling him to knock it off. And he, he doesn't listen. I think he's bringing a lot of attention to himself that he's not going to want. Right. Okay. So we're going to move on from gateway gateway. Uh, like I said, a success. I think it deserved its spot. Um, much better racing than than we. I think we all anticipated. So we're gonna go going out west this week. We have Sonoma this afternoon. Um, now I'm gonna be critical. I don't understand why we sent the trucks all the way out there. We sent the Xfinity cars out to Portland last week, which I thought was a decent race. But it's just it's on its own. It's a long way to go for Xfinity for probably not a great paying race. Um, but- and it was chaotic because of the rain. I think rain introduces chaos, but decent race. Uh, then we send the trucks, which is an even lower budget, all the way out to Sonoma. I don't quite understand that. We have other, you know, road courses closer that we could go to. But um, I mean, it, it kind of looked like a decent race yesterday. I thought, but it was. I, I just don't get it. It's a long way to go for those guys for a lot of money, especially with gas being the way it is right now. So I'm not sure I agree with that. But um, Sonoma, just I, I think, Kyle Busch win, right? <laughs> uh, we're running the shoot 
again this year. We did the experiment with the carousel for a couple of years, and and I think to everyone's surprise, it was hor- horrible. It was just terrible. The shoot always provides, I think, better racing. Um, more guys can beat and bang, getting into the the two corners that we're using instead of the the carousel now. Uh, especially at the top of the hill, man, that's where a lot of the chaos ends up happening. And it's where you can pass. You really couldn't pass much in the carousel. There there, there wasn't good runs. So I, I agree with this change back to the shoot. I think it's going to provide better racing. Um, and especially in this day and age, I think you're going to be seeing a lot of guys dive bombing uh, to get good runs down the, into the S's. So, or, I, or I think what you might see is a lot of what we've seen at Worldwide Technology Racing or uh, – what's called gateway. I think the main thing we're going to see is if you aren't dive bombing them, I think you're going to ride their bumper and just push them out of the way. Yep. Yeah. I think so too. I think you're going to see a lot of guys getting pushed off into the dirt. So, uh, and especially down, I think it's turn 11, I think is what it is down there. The hairpin at the end, you're going to be seeing some guys getting shipped out. And you saw that yesterday, a little bit guys, (laughs) the Benedetto barging through the tires to, to get to, freezing and spit him out and poor freezing i think he wrecked like three or four times yesterday <laughs> um so i think t- you know larson's on pole uh jordan i won last week in our picks so i'm gonna give you first pick this week yeah well i'm i don't know i'm i'm gonna step out of the box because i hate picking the same drivers every week yep I'm with so you. i was sitting there and i was looking at the starting lineup for today and i think I mean, I would love to take Busher because he's starting up there in third. But I think I'm going to send you for a curve, and I'm going to say Daniel Suarez gets his first win of the year. Ooh. I was not – I was thinking you were going to pick Larson or Almondinger. No, um, Dinger to me would be – I mean, he's 16th. It'd be kind of an easy pick. And Larson and, you know, Elliot have been running so good on road courses. It's, to me, another easy pick. But I think Suarez, a lot of times, he has just bad luck. Like, he was running good and the jack broke. You know, I I think he just has a lot of bad luck. He turned some laps yesterday in the truck series, uh, filling in for Josevar. So, you know, I don't don't know. I think today they get that breakthrough win. I think think we're going to have a near-the-end kind of chaos, and he's going to come out on top. All right. Well, if we're if we're not going to be picking the big swingers, um, like the normal guys, the Elliots, the Larsons, the Almendingers, um, I'm going to go with somebody who I know who's very good here, who's uh, I've almost won with a couple times. Uh, I'm going to stick with Kurt Busch because I think that this is just a, a track that really suits his style, and he's kind of got a hot hand right now. So I'm going to go with Kurt Busch. I I still feel like that's a heavy swinger. <laughs> I mean, it's. <laughs> No, it's, it's it's heavier than than Daniel Suarez. Yeah, I, I would like to pick Briscoe, but this is I think this is his worst road course track. So, and and I'm not I'm I've made a habit of not picking Stuart Haas drivers. Every time I do, it's bad luck. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at the starting lineup, and I mean, I was going to really throw you for a loop, and I was going to pick Harvick, and I was like, you know, he was coming off of a third place, um, wasn't it in the Coke Six Hundred? And yeah. then he had that huge, huge hit in uh, Gateway. Yeah. Um, but I was starting to think they were starting to turn the, the page. I mean, he was running 13th um, when it happened, when that rotor yeah. broke. But, um, yeah, well, huge hit. Th- so their I third was... place in, in Charlotte was a lot to do with the fact that 
they survived the wrecks better than every everyone else. I mean, Chase Briscoe well, had no fenders and was running them down there on the last lap. So, yeah, there was only twenty cars left running at the yeah. end of that, and that's something we haven't seen in forever. Yeah. All right. Well, got the road course later today. It's a late start. It's like a four p.m. start. So. Uh, we'll see how that turns out and we will we actually have an off week next week for father's day so maybe we'll get caught up on some random stuff yeah we'll we'll have to talk about we'll have to talk about sonoma and then maybe we get caught up on random stuff yeah like some of the stuff the ravens are doing um mandatory minicamp starts next week um there's been a lot of things in the news about lamar jackson not showing up to workouts so we'll uh we'll see what happens about that yeah all right well jordan Uh, Have a good rest of your camping trip, and we'll talk to you next week. Yep, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Catch us on uh, Instagram and Facebook and on our website, racerroofitness.com. Talk to you later. Thanks, bye. Later, guys.